one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering community for salt. This is the Howling Salt Mine. It's the Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Howling Salt Mine podcast, the podcast where we delve into those salty, salty minds of the Magic the Gathering community, find the salty stories, those salty posts, the salty confessionals that we love, put them in our mind cart, and bring them right back up to you, our dear listeners at home. As always, I'm your host, Sam, and I'm joined today by my singular co-host, Mike. Say hey, Mike. Hey, got the singular right. I did it again. <laughs> I did it right. Yep, Tony is still on his honeymoon, so it's me and Mike. Oh, Who's this? Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like he's in the room, but better. <laughs> it's our special guest host, Pat. Say hey, Pat. Hello. I saw those uh, headshots you guys got done for the upcoming Magic event, and I just I shaved my head immediately to be more like Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Imagine if we had submitted your face instead of Tony's for those. <laughs> like, Tony's still going, but you're like sneaking in and assuming his identity. Oh, or just gosh. do like an, like an AI merge of the two faces. <laughs> Pony. <laughs> Pony. It's Tad. It's, it's our friend Tad. <laughs> oh, man. We, we should mention this is like the first time where we can actually talk about it and not just like dump a little piece of audio in the front of an episode. Oh, but right. we are going to the MTG Summit Convention in Salt Lake City. It's kicking off on October 26th through the 29th. And we will be there as special guests. That's right. We are special guest creators. We fucking did it. Look at me now, mom and dad. <laughs> Someone actually was willing to put a subtitle under our names that said content creator. Well, that makes it official. No, not even that. Special guests. We're fucking special guests, dude. Like, it's awesome. Also, Salt Mine, Salt Lake City. The convention takes place in a place called the Salt Palace. Like, it couldn't be more perfect yeah it's just it really good merger of salt they essentially established a brand for us yeah like, they're like this is <laughs> hey you wanted a branded event right because we we made one for you <laughs> last year after we went to vegas i was filled with so much regret when i found out that the mtg summit took place in the salt palace because mm -hmm. we had been kind of like which one do we go to and we just went with vegas first and then afterwards we were sort of like Eh, we could have gone to Salt Lake City. Like it was kind of a same price sort of thing for us because we're all East Coasters. And then I found out like a month later that it took place in the Salt Palace. And I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so to come back a year later with a vengeance, not only attending, but as special guest creators, feels pretty good. Feels pretty good. Yeah, I can imagine. Stoked. I'm going to try and cube with Brandon Sanderson. If I can play Brandon Sanderson's cube, I'm going to lose my mind. Dude, yeah, that would be fucking amazing. That commander cube that he's got. Yeah. Ooh, baby. Is he going to be there? Oh, yeah. Yes, he he's one of the oh, other creators. That's that so cool. There. <laughs> he makes content. I don't know if you've. I've heard of him. <laughs> he just yeah. happens to be books. An Amazon series or two. <laughs> yeah, he writes some books, I guess. Yeah, he's maybe a big deal, I guess. Yeah, it's like one of the reasons it exists is because he was basically friends with the Kingdom's TV guys, uh, which if people don't know who those guys are, they have a great 
YouTube channel where they do weekly live play videos, like weekly EDH oh, wow. videos, which is pretty crazy just to be able to turn that shit around. And they're awesome too. And they just like chill with Brandon Sanderson at their local gaming store. And they would like cube together all the time. And at one point he was like, Hey, I have this cube. I really would love to play this cube with some like MTG pros, like Reed Duke and stuff like that. Do you guys think that that could ever happen? And they were like, yeah, like maybe we'll put on a small event. And then it just like exploded. And now they're just running their own annual convention. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like Field of Dreams. Yeah, right. It's like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we're we're stoked. Um, here's my like two minute pitch. Come to it. Hang out with us. Uh, we will be there. I think there's a little bit on Thursday. If you get a VIP badge, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we're going to be there all of the days. We'll be doing free play and stuff. Come jam games with us. Also, if you can spring for it, get a fucking VIP ticket because there are VIP events that will be like connected to. There's like a creator clash event where everyone gets a free pre-con. We all jam pre-con games and just like shoot the shit and have a great time. Uh, and you can play with us and you can play with other creators like nitpicking nerds. Mental Misplay is going to be there. Cassius Marsh is going to be there. A fuck ton of artists are going to be there. And I'm pretty sure also that if you get a VIP badge, you get first access to the artists on Thursday. So you can just like not wait in line for artist proofs and not wait in line for signatures, which from being at other conventions, watching people wait in line, that seems very worth it. Yeah, I can imagine, especially because let me just say, I recently commissioned one of the artists who's going to be there, Gold Saber, and mm. it is my favorite oh, commission by far. I believe it was said that he we was We tried going. to pressure him yeah, into going. Yeah, we're pressuring and we we're trying to make him go. Saw him in uh, <laughs> at Commander Sealed. We were like, "Dude, go to go to Summit." I could have sworn I saw that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering, but I mean, I hope he does. Check that guy's art out. He's amazing. Oh, Gold Saber's amazing. Yeah. Some fucking rules. We didn't quite play some games with him, but we kept stealing one of the guys working at his desk to play some One Piece. Yeah, we so kept taking We're basically Kevin away. best friends at this point. That's pretty much I how mean, we hugged. Happened. We hugged. Are you talking about mid-piece? No. That doesn't exist. Are you are you besmirching the greatest anime property of all time? <laughs> well, I mean the card game's fun so far from what I've I've seen. <laughs> oh my god. The card game is great. Pat! <laughs> we already have we are <laughs> Get Tony back on here. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's too late. It's too late. Tony at least stays silent. Like, I can cast counterspell in your anime opinions too. <laughs> no, no, I'm not owned. I'm not owned. <laughs> no, no. Oh shit! I should also mention. Yeah, we didn't make a mistake. This is episode seventy. If people are like, "Oh, wow, they missed episode sixty-nine." Nope, we didn't. This is correct. This is episode seventy. Tony is on his honeymoon, and he expressly requested that he be a part of episode 69 and we couldn't record it before he left. So this is our creative solution. You get 71st, then we're going to take a step back. You'll get 69 <laughs> and then we're back to 71. Very appropriate with the Doctor Who products coming out. <laughs> we're time yeah, traveling, time baby. skip. We're just staying topical with the set releases. Exactly. Yeah. Retrace on the podcast. Yeah, we're, yes. we're big Whovians over here. Not really. I, I don't no, know much about Doctor Who. But... But frankly, the cards that are coming out, I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. Like Gavin and the professor have just been going off about like the lore of Doctor Who. And they're like, oh, he's got multiple lives. And he was like reborn and all this shit. And I'm like, man, I thought it was just kind of like some goofy, like, I don't know, just goofy shit. 
And then there's like deep, deep sci-fi stuff. And I'm like, man, first of all, Doctor Who, you got to work on your branding, man. I mean, yes. for for, uh, for for it to take this long for me to get interest, like show me some of that gritty sci-fi shit right up front. And now to hear about it, I'm like, man, I'm intrigued. What is this? Mm. What is this world? Yeah. I, as a fan of Doctor Who, I'm going to say definitely read some of the books or like look into some of the older stuff first i think a lot of the newer tv is like popular for a reason but it's definitely like a different show like the professor always like cites a lot of the older stuff as his favorite and that's where i started too because oh, really um yeah my my dad was into doctor who because his dad was into it so i have watched a lot oh, of the old old. episodes like star trek <laughs> yeah that three kind of generations <laughs> yes yes yeah, my, my dad's grandpa dad liked this it. television program that is still airing so <laughs> i decided to like it as well <laughs> back when it was a radio show and and then became a talkie there's also something crazy that i saw where like there's episodes that are just lost like it's been yes. around long enough yeah that i saw that literally too. permanently gone which is a crazy concept it's because in the 60s and 70s it was common practice to write over the tapes used to tape tv because it, it wasn't thought of like oh we're gonna need to preserve this like people are gonna care it's just like make it a tv show get it out there that's wild, man. You got to reuse the tapes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean we're out of tape? <laughs> <laughs> you need all the extra tapes for the war. You know, you you got to you got to ration. <laughs> they true. were making bullets out of those tapes, man. Right, you yeah. you had three tapes and you had to just recycle those. Yeah. The, fam- the, the 60s and 70s, the famous supply shortages. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any Betamax tapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were uh, definitely scarce. Yeah, I mean, it's something I'm intrigued with. You know, unfortunately, I do need to watch all of the One Piece anime before I dip mm-hmm. into Doctor Who. But yeah, it's going to take a little next bit. Next year, <sighs> next year, I'll yeah. get into next it. Next year, wow, you're going fast. Are you, you watching must be on going 1. really speed? fast. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just crushing. I'm just crushing through. I, I just put it on when I work out. Now it is both okay. my motivation to exercise. <laughs> and that's the thing that occupies my brain so i will exercise like, you're just like trying to get to like zoro levels of like swinging a massive dumbbell around oh, like hell yeah dude concentrating your powers into your fists while you're trying yeah. to work out yeah nice and right now i'm i'm really more of like a luffy build in that i'm extremely lanky except i have none of the strength <laughs> <laughs> yeah in that my arms flop around <laughs> you sure can't eat though yeah, I can I can fucking eat though. <laughs> well, speaking of the salty seas. Wow. Oh, nice. Of One Ace Piece. Thank you. I've been practicing. I've been like hitting random word. I've been like Googling, give me a random word. And then they say something from the Google. This is obviously a real thing that I've been doing. Does that all make sense? You've been Googling the phrase, (laughs) give me a random word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, that that all tracks. That all tracks. Yeah. Yeah. That's how that that works. Yeah. Well, let's fucking get into it today, guys. We're going to be talking about salt. I got some salty stories here. Hmm. And we're going to Sam. What is salt? Great question, Mike. And you know what? Thank you for asking. You're welcome. And you know what? You're special to me. Wow. <laughs> wow. I feel so happy. It's kind of camaraderie on this podcast that keeps us together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really the friendship that we make along the way with this show. Salt is frustration in the game. And as I've been saying lately, it's really an umbrella term. You know, this actually came up recently on a Reddit interaction I had where we had a salty story that was posted in our discord and somebody also tagged me in it on reddit 
it was pretty mm. salty. People wanted me to be alerted to this shit, you know? <laughs> oh boy. And somebody tagged the howling salt mine and the OP responded and was like, haha, I guess you want me to be salty or something like that. And they're like, no, 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 this is like a podcast. I'm just like letting them know that there's this salty story here. And they were like, I don't really think it's salty, but whatever. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, it was an interesting moment. And I kind of thought about it and it, it sort of connects back to this thing we've been talking about where salt is an umbrella term. And to me, salt is anything that gets you frustrated in a game. Salt can be like a single grain of salt. You know, I think a lot of people think of like getting tilted in a video game or getting tilted at the table and like getting really angry or yelling. And that is salt. But really, there's like little grains of salt and there's full shakers and everything in between. And it's anything that gets you frustrated, anything that has a weird social dynamic, a weird moment at the table, something where you walk away and you're like, was I the asshole there? Was I being a dickhead? All of that stuff falls under our salty umbrella. And and we got all that shit in the mind, man. Mm-hmm. Everything is valid in the mind. So when that flavor of the game that you were expecting is just, it's a little off. It's not all the, the feels good you were hoping for when you sat down. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be somebody raging even though those ones are very funny. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it could be a lot of things. It's when someone puts a two-mana spell that says players can't win the game or lose the game on an Isochron Scepter. Oh, Mike. <laughs> Man, that has been like the meme. Can we talk about this real yes. quick? Yes, please. Yes, please. What, what is the name of the spell again? Mike? Everybody lives. Movie? Everybody lives. Everybody lives. Yeah, it's the new Doctor Who instant costs one and a white and... I don't have it in front of me, but it basically says every creature gains hexproof and indestructible. Players gain hexproof. No one can lose the game. No one can win the game. And it's one white and a colorless, correct? Yep. One white and a colorless. And the big joke, and I'm pretty sure I called dibs on posting this joke next. So look out, everybody. Uh, The big (laughs) joke is that people are like, but what about if you did it with an isochron scepter? Which is great the first and second time I saw it. But man, I've seen that joke like 30 times. (laughs) That's why I had to make it because it was still original. Exactly, It's topical. It's Yeah, yeah, that was the 29th time. Is pointing out a good synergy just a joke now? I think the joke is that no one can win the game and that's funny. Right. Yeah, definitely is funny. But like, I don't know. We already have ways to force people to draw. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you, can, like, you could fracture identity of Platinum Angel like 10 years ago. So I don't know yeah. what the big idea is here. Or World Gorge your Dragon and don't have a way to stop it. Like, that's a draw. <laughs> Do you guys yeah. think this card sees play outside of like comboing it to like use it multiple times? I don't even think it sees play comboing it to use it multiple times. I think <laughs> yeah. that's pure memory. Fair enough. Yeah. The big take with this one was people were like, oh my God, like this is interesting. It's a meme. And then some people were like, oh, is it CDH playable? You could stop win cons. You could use it, ad nauseum yourself like crazy, draw a fuck ton of cards and then win in the next upkeep. That was a very common one I saw. And I think the more people looked at it, it's just not really super playable. And I think that's why white can get these effects that just kind of like do a big game stall because they're actually pretty corner case. Yeah, I don't think that sees any play in CDH, frankly, because if if you're not running Angel's Grace right now, then why would you upgrade to something that costs one more and prevents you from winning as well and run that? 
to me it reads more as like a big boy heroic intervention yeah i feel mm. the same way if you take it as the main use case that you're using for is protecting your creatures and your board and then it has this weird secondary effect on it then maybe it makes a little more sense that's a great yeah. point i think it is a second heroic intervention i think that's well said uh i think it's something that you cast after a board wipe because you don't want to lose your board and you just happen to save everybody else's boards too. But even that's super awkward. <laughs> yeah, totally. It is. <laughs> it is one mana cheaper than Teferi's Protection and you know some of the other white spells that give all your shit indestructible. But like you said, it is also kind of awkward. I don't know. It only protects creatures, right? It doesn't protect artifacts and enchantments. Yeah, it's creatures and yeah. players. I feel like this could have been a great stacks card if this was like to help protect artifacts and enchantments instead of creatures, but hmm. yeah, I guess maybe still, but pretty corner case. Yeah, it's an interesting card. The design is wild. I think it is kind of a cool space to see how pushed that sort of mechanic can be because it truly isn't that powerful, but it can say something when you read the card and you're like, holy shit, this is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's a lot of potent pieces of text. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cannot yeah. lose or cannot <laughs> yeah. win. Yeah. 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 Can't lose and can't win. You can't right. do either. Just nothing. If you, only, if you only read the good parts of that card and your <laughs> creatures get hexproof and indestructible and you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It just happens to have some other implications on there. That's not what it does. Yeah. I do think that there are probably some ways to get around it and like still use it to kind of cement a win. You know, let's say you cast it, you mill everybody out. And then you pass the turn and they all draw and they lose. That's great. But your ways to mill people out generally target a player and you can't target a player because they have hexproof. So right. once you start setting it up in all these scenarios, you start to see that like, oh, well, it doesn't really help push you through that. It doesn't really give you an edge there. And then it's sort of like, I'd rather just have a counter spell in my CDH deck. Well, now that we've gone uh, on a certain rail into a strange corner of the mines, should we get back <laughs> on the uh, the main drag here? <laughs> That was a little salty amuse-bouche. We're just wetting the palate out there. You know what I mean? Amuse-bouche. <laughs> amuse I am not classy enough to be boosh. on this podcast. <laughs> hey, if you don't kick off a meal with a little amuse-bouche, what are you doing? You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. It could be like a single jalapeno popper. It could be two Skittles that you squish together. If you're calling it an amuse-bouche, it's already fancy. You've already failed in making it like... You know, down it could be. It could just be like a. It could just be a pink starburst wrapped around a Mike and Ike, dude. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just a dude, little. Next, taste. you're gonna be out here eating hors d'oeuvres, hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> I know hors that one, Mike. I know that one. <laughs> well, shall we get into it, guys? Please, please. Let's fucking do it. All right. So this first one comes to us from Reddit, and it comes to us from our buddy D Hell. If you guys see D-Hell around the subreddits, give them an upvote. You know the drill. Spread that. Good, good will. This one doesn't have a title because some of the ways that we receive salty stories, there just isn't really a space to put a title in. So it's titled Salty Story. Hey, what can you do? And the story goes, hey, guys, binging all your episodes has seriously been a highlight of 2023 for me thus far. Aww. I'm current on the episodes, and after about 50-plus EDH plays, I finally have a story that might merit sharing. I'll let y'all decide. Well, I already decided because I'm sharing. Yep, here it is. <laughs> the decision has been made. Yeah, and once I read it, I'm not going to cut it. I was playing on Talarian Community College's Discord, 
I thought I would catch a quick game before bed on the weekend. I'm playing an Urabrask, the Great Work deck. So the new Urabrask. Nice. Mono Red Storm, not the CDH build, nothing special. The only fast mana is Soul Ring. There are a couple of tutors, and there may be an infinite combo in the deck, but I haven't found it yet. With Reverberate and Buyback and stuff, I suppose it's possible, but wasn't intentional in the build. I've been playtesting the deck and making tweaks on it for about 15 plays now. It's only my third commander deck, and I've changed cards in it as recently as three days ago. Well, this was like three months ago, so you probably changed it a little bit since then. (laughs) I advertised the game as a six to seven power level because my experience playtesting the deck, that's always sort of where it has fallen. I'm playing against a Sliver deck and a Lord of the Rings themed deck and some guy playing Azorius. The Lotor deck wasn't a pre-con. As we're having rule zero, after I've explained my deck and exactly what it did, the Sliver player says, I'm playing a Mana Crypt, a few of the Moxen, and all 10 of the original duels, but it's a pretty casual seven. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ridiculous. It's it's got a scope. And a suppressor and a bump <laughs> stock, but it's a pretty casual rifle. <laughs> I'm just here for paintball. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. I think to myself, I'm going to get destroyed, but I'm here and I want to play, so I'll play it out. The talk as the game was starting was a couple of the players were frustrated because someone went infinite on turn four of their last game. So people are already complaining about infinite shit coming in. We get into it. Turn one is uneventful. Turn two, Slivers drops a Crystalline Sliver. I drop a Ruby Medallion. Everybody else just sort of passes after Land Drop. Turn three, I drop a Staff of Completion and pass. Turn four, I bring Urbrask online and play a Desperate Ritual. I've got four mana floating and one available, and I just sort of storm off. I play five more spells, mostly cantrips and unmentionable shit. Uh, They say stuff, but uh, you know me, I love to curse. Potty mouth. (laughs) Absolute (laughs) vulgar vulgar vocabulary (laughs) six damage to the table i made sure to spread it around but i sent the majority of it at the slivers dude because he's the threat six spells a galvanic relay i flip six cards into exile pay the one flip urabrask deal three to the player and all their creatures target slivers wipe his board and then tap the staff to proliferate into three treasure tokens the cards i flip are mostly ho-hum a grape shot a few cantrips and other stuff, Urza's Rage and Burgi. As the turns pass, the great work gets exiled and people make their turn five plays. It comes back around to me, I get Urbrask out again, drop Burgi and play a cantrip, floating two mana. One of the other guys immediately asks, quote, I mean this in the most civil way possible. Can you win this turn? I reply, no, I really don't think so. I play a cantrip. The sliver guy is fuming. He scoops. And everyone but the guy who inquired leaves the table they're Mm. pissed or zorius guy who asked if i could win sticks around after and cheers me up what a fucking champ yeah Yeah. from an azorius player what is going on hey 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 (laughs) every stacks player i have ever met is like usually pretty chill as long as they're not some gremlin lurking in an lgs luring noobs into pub stomp like (laughs) people who play stacks have a deep appreciation for spending time with someone because they're ready to do it I appreciate that, Pat. I appreciate that. (laughs) Oh, man. Azorius guy who asked if I could win sticks around after and cheers me up because I swear, in all caps, this deck has never been so effective before. I know people say that all the time, but it hasn't happened. I knew it was possible, 
I built the deck. It's just never happened. Hmm. I was describing the game to some buddies who had played against Urbrask as I'd been testing it out. And one of them replied, yeah, man, that deck is a four to nine on the power level. So am I the asshole because I drew the nuts? Was dude just hurt that his $10,000 deck got smoked in four turns? Was he still too salty from the last game? This can't all be on me. I mean, maybe I need to advertise the deck a little differently in the future, but come on, multiple Moxon, Crypt, OG Duels, Power Level 7. Please absolve me of my sins, HSM. Amen. Love the show, you guys. Keep making them, and we'll keep listening. Oh, nice. I can love that shit. First of all, thanks for writing in and complimenting Yeah, thank us. you. I appreciate and that. Second of all, let's get our salty clearing callers on and get ready to absolve here. Yeah. <laughs> Let me pick up my salt rosary and let's fucking get into this shit. <laughs> you will be gone. <laughs> Real quick, should I just read Urbrask before we like really touch yeah, into this? Yeah, let's read Please do. Also, I did not plan this, but I feel like this is such a perfect one for having Pat on the episode. <laughs> like, we'll get into it in a minute, but just know that this is perfect for Pat being here. I'm going to stand up for you. <laughs> he's gonna go to bat my sweet little dumpling <laughs> mono red player so urabrask costs four mana it's two and two red legendary creature phyrexian praetor this is the one from march of the machines it is a four four and it has first strike that stuff doesn't really matter all the rest of it does though it says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell urabrask deals one damage to target opponent and you add a red mana then you can pay a red mana Exile Urbrask and return to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. Activate only as a sorcery and only if you cast three or more instant or sorcery spells this turn. And the other side is called the Great Work. It's an enchantment saga and it has three levels to it. The first level is three chapters. Oh, chapters. Thank you. The Great Work deals three damage to target opponent and each creature they control. The second one is create three treasure tokens. And the third one says until end of turn... You may cast instant and sorcery spells from any graveyard. If a spell cast this way would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. Exile the great work, then return to the battlefield front face up. You you trigger the third chapter, and then you get your Urbrask back, which is giving you, again, that Bergy-like ability where every time you're casting an instant or sorcery, you're getting red mana. So this is like a classic storm deck Bergy nowadays. plus gutter snipe, because it does damage on spell cast too. Yeah. Mm, right. It's pretty dope. All right, how we feel about this shit, guys? I think the friends call of that deck is a four to nine is a really, really like poignant remark there. I think that says yeah. a lot about a deck because there are totally decks that are like this. The nuts hand is nuts. And a lot of the other hands are just extremely mid or like extremely puttery. Totally. And a storm deck, I feel like is a very classic deck that can do that. Either you get the system that's going to let you keep chaining stuff together and keep storming and keep drawing and casting and making mana and it's going to keep going or you kind of whiff and you cast one spell don't draw into anything and have nothing else to do and then you sit there waiting another mm -hmm. turn rotation to try to kick it off again and it never really starts off the way you need it to yeah it's kind of a pitfall of decks like this a little bit I don't know. What do you think, Pat? I know you've played with this card quite a bit. Yeah. I run this card in my Sarkara deck, and Sarkara is one of my favorite decks of all time. She's a similar mono-red commander who incentivizes you to burn players, and she'll give you card advantage. That deck fucks, by the way. Like It's so fun. <laughs> I, I think I've only seen you play it like two or three times, and every single time it has been a fucking menace. And I, you've gotten Urbrask out with it before. So as yeah. I was reading this, I was like, oh, shit. 
this is great that Pat's on. <laughs> yeah. I've experienced this feeling before <laughs> yeah. of watching a mono red player do crazy exactly things. Exactly this. <laughs> yeah, this deck, I, I understand it's already burning everybody, but for the most part, burn decks have to focus people. You're pretty low on resources. Like you're you're doing what a lot of decks do with more colors. Mm-hmm. You've gimped yourself a little bit by already playing a mono red deck. You've already said your only true fast mana is Sol Ring, though I'm sure you're playing rituals like... Yeah, Desperate Ritual is, we know is in there. Heretic Ritual, all of them. I've seen a lot of people say that those cards are not fast mana, and I I, I have to disagree. Like, Yeah, dude. This, this deck is fast. Like, that, That's how I play my turn one Najila. Like, <laughs> with a Pyretic Ritual, you know? like I, I think it's a definition thing. Like, fast mana is usually mana that sticks around turn to turn, but but definitely it is the kind of thing that'll give you these explosive turns that are, are very high variance, like you're describing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think this Azorius player handled things really well when he said, hey, I'm going to ask you in the most civil way possible, like, can you win this turn? Right. <laughs> I think I think it was really not cool of the other two people to just immediately make the assumption that because you cast more than one spell and you were about to start taking your turn again as a person who has to cast multiple spells, they're like, oh, this guy's storming off again. Yeah. Don't, don't have to sit through 20. It's like, you sat down with this deck. You knew what it was going to do. It's going to burn you. Yeah. Yeah, it's right there on the commander. Like, if, yeah. if you're surprised that an Urbrask deck is trying to storm off, then you didn't read the card, frankly, because that is literally what it does. It would be like if you sat down against a Risk the Redeem deck and then they made 10 tokens and you're like, this is bullshit and I'm out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <This is> bullshit. <laughs> I can't believe you made multiple tokens. Frankly, yeah. that's fucked. You yeah. did what your deck does into my 10 dual lands? Like, how dare you, <laughs> first of all? I think something a lot of people also do is they put a lot of emotion into these commander decks because they resonate with these characters and they've put a lot of time into them and they want them to be really strong. And so losing kind of always feels bad. And it always feels like anytime I go, I, I've only been to a couple CDH tournaments and every time I lost a game on Azami, I was always like, Oh, that was probably my fault. I could have done better. Yeah. Like that, I'm a little You're salty. Like, oh, oh, I'm bad as a person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I just think that there's a lot of assumptions going on here. OP is also assuming that, oh, this guy left because I beat his super expensive deck that he cares a lot about with my yeah. little dinky deck. And it's like, <laughs> give yourself some credit, man. You just stormed off pretty hard for term four. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping this variance, this four to nine thing, in mind is good, but I also think you need to be honest with yourself about how fast your deck is too. I'll definitely echo what you said, Pat. I think burn in general in a four-player game is a very challenging archetype to play. Play nicely. Yeah, to, to play well and to get a win. Well, I did say play nicely. I mean, like without without upsetting people. Oh, mm-hmm. that too, because you're yeah, because you're not like focusing a single person down. I mean, generally you're trying to like spread damage around, and the challenge with burn as well is that typically you are also making it easier for other decks to win yes. through combat damage, yeah. you know, because you're like, well, let me chip down life totals and then you can just come in and swing. And now you don't have to take care of 40 life because now it's only like 25 life. So that's already a challenge with these types of decks. When it comes to that power level range, I actually, I really, really like that a lot. I think that people should talk about their decks more in terms of power level ranges So this is like a big topic on the show. It's a topic in the Discord for our patrons uh, because I've I've had a couple lucky games with my Alesha deck. But the power level of my Alesha deck has always been something we debate over because Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a great deck. But every (laughs) once in a while, 
you've chosen the exact wrong deck to try not and make at this all, point dude. with you 100 percent have this no de- let me at least make the point let me at least <laughs> no. make the point and then okay, really okay there. make the point and then and my, my point is that this deck this deck often plays like a six it does not play well it's very easy to dismantle it folds to interaction very easily every once in a while it hits as an eight and i'm like hitting my synergy well i have like my tutor creatures out i'm crushing pretty well but generally speaking i feel like there's a range with that deck and i think truthfully it has to do with my deck building that it's inconsistent and (laughs) sometimes i win with it and i crush and sometimes i lose with it this and is bullshit. Poorly. <laughs> there is a range if you look at what the deck was three years ago to now. If you average its performance over its entire lifespan, sure, then you could say like it varies between like a six and an eight, maybe. The deck that you chose is literally one that's all about recurring pieces that might get removed so that it's super resilient. And also everything <laughs> synergizing with exactly one strategy of legendary creatures with power two or less so like (laughs) it's extremely consistent in what it does and it has a bunch of tutors to make it more consistent and in what it does and you tutor often the same things to make it more consistent in what it does so i think you chose exactly the wrong deck (laughs) to highlight this but i do agree that it's a good idea do well mike Nothing else. Otherwise, it's garbage and everything is terrible. I was fucking fishing for compliments, man. (laughs) (laughs) You caught on to my plan. (laughs) But but I do think that this is something that exists for a lot of decks where where there's a range, you know? There absolutely is. And especially with Storm decks where you have these turns that can whiff and can whiff in like a pretty major way where you're like, cool, I just burned through all my great rituals, all my great card draw, and I didn't get there. I'm just going to pass. And then next turn, I have to start from square one. I think that those decks tend to have a higher variance to them and do have kind of this range of power levels. Now, four to nine, again, the power level system is fucking stupid. But nine is like fringe CDH. You're probably not a true nine there. But your deck is probably still comfortably sitting in like, you know, five to eight or six to eight or something like that. Yeah, I want to read between the lines on something here a little bit with this Azorius player asking, hey, do you think you can win this turn? Sure. Something that that kind of implies to me is how much of the time of this game the Urabrask player is maybe taking. Yeah, right. Because if you do this storm turn, like just when you read it, Sam, right, there were so many steps to this turn. You play your Urabrask, you have to play three spells, you resolve all of those, everyone has to track everything, you flip it over, you deal some damage, you proliferate, you get some treasures, you storm a little bit more, and then you exile a bunch of stuff. Like innately, you're, you're doing a bunch of stuff, which takes a long time, especially if you're newer to the deck. You said, you know, you have 15 plays through it. You might be kind of thinking through some of those steps, which is totally reasonable because uh, it takes some thinking to execute these storm turns. For but sure. it does mean that it takes this time. That is also the kind of stuff that people are going to have really low patience for, especially when one of the things that you do during that long sequence of game actions is wipe everybody else's board. Because then they get to their turn, they play a land, maybe one spell and pass. Next person, land, mm-hmm. spell, pass. Next person, land, spell, pass okay, we're back to the Storm player. They've got a full tank and they're ready to go again. That's where <laughs> that's where you get the Azorius yeah. player being like, okay, we just got out of one big turn. Are you going to win this turn? You know, so doing what you can to try and mitigate like long turns 
from like a knowing your deck and executing it quickly is good. And also having win cons at the end of those storm turns. So when you go for a long time, you hit your grape shot or whatever it is, and you cast it and it actually ends the game instead of just sitting there and, and not yeah. quite getting there over and over again on on long turns. I was going to say something that was mentioned in the post was OP said, yeah, it might have an infinite combo in there, but I really haven't looked. Something you could do is just if you have a card in your deck, you can Google like, hey, does this card combo with anything? And mm-hmm. EDH rec even has a section that's like yeah. card combos with X. And yeah. granted, this is not going to be a perfect list that shows you every combo ever, but it's going to give you a great idea of what to look for if you're mm-hmm. looking for infinite combos and what to avoid if you're also not trying to do that. Yep. Yeah. Another really insane resource for this. I'm so glad you brought this up, Pat. There's something called Commander Spellbook. It's oh, got over yeah. 24,000 combos cited in it. Um, that's just in their search bar. So I know that. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a Discord, right? There's a Discord that supports it, but there's also just a website that has okay. like a search engine on it. And you can search for combos. You can search a card name and it'll show all of the cards, like all of the combo lines with kind of an explanation of what they do and what their inputs and outputs are. Yeah. Um, and it's a user maintained list so people can submit stuff. Um, they can submit combos. So it's constantly growing. But that's a great thing, too, of like, you know, you might get some ideas of of combos that are in your deck. The other thing that's saying... I'm not sure if an infinite combo is in this deck kind of suggests is that you haven't done much like gold fishing with it. Like maybe Mm. you've done some deck building, but often if you goldfish a few times, you'll find some of those infinite combos if they're in there. Definitely. Especially with storm decks, like you said, you kind of need like reps on that deck. Yes. You need to be able to go through it and be like, okay, how do I execute these more complex turns? And even if it's not a storm deck, that's just kind of a good practice for any deck that might have like multiple moving pieces. Like I do that with my Gave deck occasionally. I haven't done it in a while, but Togo Kesket is one where I do a lot of reps with that deck just to be like, okay, these pieces come down. Now, how do I go for the win? Just kind of jumping back to something you mentioned, Mike, when you do have those longer storm turns, sometimes all it takes is to just be like, hey guys, I'm going to kind of storm off here. I know it's going to take a little bit long, but just like bear with me. You know, and and sometimes just acknowledging that you're going to take a long turn can be enough to like quell that salt a little bit. Personally, I do think some of that is on the opponent. I think when people are taking longer turns, it is a part of the game. Like sometimes people just take long turns and it's kind of on you to just try to have a good attitude about it and try to be a little bit engaged with it. Like something I'll do is like track storm count or try to just like help them walk through steps and stuff like that so I can put myself in the process a little bit and maybe just get some personal enjoyment out of it. Granted, if they're just coming off of a game where they got like blasted on turn four combo and they're a little bit pre-salted anyways, that might be out of your control. And it's just kind of out of your control how your opponents are going to react to that stuff as it is. But just something to keep in mind there. I mean, sometimes just being transparent about like, hey, this is going to be a long turn. I'm going to try to dig and do what I can. And I'll probably like do some burning on the table and we'll, we'll kind of see where it gets us. That might mitigate a little bit of salt. I do think that you were coming into a, a game with a few salty players, though, here, especially when it comes to that like pregame talk, which isn't really something we touched on, how they were sort of burned off of an infinite combo in a prior game. So could mm-hmm. be a little bit residual there as well. Yeah, one thing you mentioned, Sam, was keeping people engaged. And I think something that can really help is if you've practiced the deck a lot, something that can has helped me while goldfishing is actually narrating the turn out loud. 
So oh, hell yeah. untap, upkeep, draw. I have no effects on upkeep. I'll play an island for turn. Like if you if you narrate through the turn, it can help you do things more quickly. It can help you be more accurate. Uh, you can start asking people for responses when you're playing spells. Like, I'm going to put this spell on the stack. Let's go through priority. You can keep yep. people engaged in the turn by having practiced the deck. And I think speaking your turn out loud like that can really help. Instead yeah. of just like sitting and like going, oh, I'm going to tap two mana and play this and then just wait and for everybody to like look at the card and read it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's just good practice in general. Also, I think sometimes just taking game actions can be good. Like if you are tanking or something like that on those longer, more complex turns, just like do some stuff, make some mistakes, you know, like this is something you talk about a lot, Mike, which is like, just continue to take game actions. And as long as you're not like tanking for multiple minutes going by and you're just doing stuff. Yeah. You might run into some sequencing issues. You might make some mistakes, but you're probably going to learn something about your deck and you're going to keep the play going. That's such a red attitude to have too. (laughs) Yeah. just cast yeah. it no way so what do you guys think the uh overall salt rating is on this one it's <laughs> not nothing i mean two people left the table yeah two people salted off out of the table yeah the sliver guy was fuming speaking of you just reminded me and i i think it's important to note this there has been a serious uptick in the number of stories relating to slivers <laughs> since that pre-con came out yeah man it's like i said on the episode of scry babies sliver players commit future crime <laughs> <laughs> and, and they need to be punished now for the crimes they're gonna commit <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> but yeah this, this story was salty two people left but i think you had a really positive interaction with this Azorius player. Yeah, dude. MVP. I think something that's really important is like, if you're playing with people at an LGS and you kind of vibe, throw them in a Discord server or like exchange phone numbers. Like, Hell do you yeah. have a good interaction like that where someone's willing to sit down and be like, hey, like, let me talk to you about why this game might have gone this way. That's a cool ass person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was King Brago himself was fucking <laughs> in the room with you. He was like, hey, <laughs> you actually did pretty good. Cheer up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my salt rating is this is super, super high. I would say this is two full salt shakers. To have people huff and puff and just fucking peace out of your game as fast as possible, that is a high salt level for me. That would make me feel really bad if I was on the receiving end of that treatment in an LGS. At the same time, I think those people came to the table with some salt already there. And um, that's not on you, OP. That is on your opponents. Like, people need to deal with their own salt. And maybe they should have been like, we just came out of the super frustrating game. Can we play something really casual? Can we, like, chill? Can we vibe? As opposed to, you know, trying to push for that, like, higher power seven. And maybe still just trying to push for the win that they were denied in the previous game. Yeah. Yeah. Saying no thank you to Dex is important, too. Like, there are decks people say no thank you to all the time, like send triplets. Like people are very comfortable saying no thank you to that deck. Yeah, it's true. I say no thank you to Guy Root all the time, but it doesn't <laughs> stop Sam from playing it. <laughs> if we're in person, I'm fucking playing that shit, man. <laughs> I'm just gonna start answering Guy Ruta with Halton and Baco every single time. And then we'll <laughs> My forty dollar deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's no creatures, so you won't get any flips from me. So it's the perfect counter. <laughs> Just flipping off myself, baby. <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you, what you guys said. It's it's always like reasonably high salt when a game ends and not many players had an enjoyable time. And this is one of those cases where like even the player that won was left like doubting if it was reasonable right. to have yeah. enjoyed it. So that's tough. But 
I don't think it's like really peak or anything. Like this is just a thing that happens. People get frustrated with long turns. They get frustrated with certain play styles. They get frustrated with losing. Um, you just have to kind of be ready for that to happen sometimes. But there are some things you can try and do to mitigate it. And I feel like we talked about a lot of them. So so hopefully, hopefully some of those tips help in the future. Agreed. Let's do another. Let's do it. Another. Another one. Well, we just had that really long one, guys. Let's let's hit it with a short one here. Yeah. Short, sweet, and to the salt. That's what they say. Short, salty. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Yeah. Short, salty, and to the point. That's is so that what good. you wanted us to say, Mike? It was. Oh, oh it my. Was. <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> it's terrible. It, it's, <laughs> it's so it, good. <laughs> it's only bad because I've heard short, sweet, and to the salt so many times yeah. that like anything other than that now just sounds <laughs> bad to me. It's <laughs> so funny. All right. Next story. So this next one comes to us. This is an Instagram DM, and it comes to us from our friend Lotus Cobra Commander who is now a patron. Thanks for the support, dude. I wonder how many previous Salty Stories have become patrons. There's got to be a couple. So many. And there are also a bunch where they were a patron. And then for one reason or another, they're not a patron anymore. And I still have it written in as like a Patreon post. So guys, the record keeping is very hard. We have like (laughs) hundreds of Salty Stories in here. So, so many. Keep sending them to us. Don't let that stop you from sending them to us. But we have a lot. And we only do three a week. Wow, damn, that's over 150 a year. That that actually is a lot. Yeah, wow. <laughs> there's a lot of episodes. I was, a lot of posts. I was about to be like, that's not even that many. That's a fuck ton of episodes. So Yeah, you guys have been pretty consistent too, not taking too many breaks. Dude, we've never missed a week, man. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's a grind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the story goes, all right, boys, I have a salty confessional for you. Back in the day when Commander was first becoming a format, me and some friends started a playgroup of about five or six people. One member, let's call him T, would only have one or two decks built at a time, but played at a higher power level than the rest of the group, often leading to a heated discussion about budget, playstyle, and power level. One day, T builds a Narset deck and yeah. wanted to try playing it for the first time during one of our game nights. In the pregame, he was saying how he didn't put any creatures only spells in his deck so he could cast them all with Narset. During the game, I top-decked a Telemon performance, and remembering T saying that he had no creatures in his deck, I cast it, targeting him, and effectively milled him out around turn five. I felt great about the play, but did feel bad he had to sit out and wait for a long game to end before getting another game in on the debut of his deck. He took it like a champ, but it is a play I'll never forget. I love it. I love Teleman performance too. That's actually one of my favorite cards. I got to read this shit. Please do. Teleman performance. It costs five mana, three and two blue. It's a sorcery. And it says target opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts all non-creature cards revealed this way into their graveyard, then put the creature card into play under your control. Oh my God. It's a bribery effect. It's a bribery. Oh my gosh. That's a spicy card. Dude. I, that's what I'm saying. I love this card. And I've never seen that before. So it's like really fun. It's less than a buck. It's like, it's great. That is really good. I love that this Narset player is also walking around like Achilles on the battlefield saying, look, guys, I, my ankle is showing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my only weak spot is my lack of creatures. So I'm going to win. <laughs> Hopefully no one takes advantage of that, but I'm ready yeah. for a game night. <laughs> yeah. And Lotus Commander is just like, all right, let me just put this one silver bullet in my deck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, oh, really? That's your weakness? I just happen to have this this perfect arrow that I'm shooting yeah, from the parapets at your ankle. Missile. <laughs> <laughs> That's a spicy card, man. I I dig that. Yeah, yeah. I don't see any salt here. I this is all umami to me. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> yum yum. Borderline sugar break. Yeah, it kind of is, right? I guess the salt here is that like you get your cheeks absolutely clapped so hard. <laughs> On the first debut of your deck, right? Yeah, that's tough. Like that that, that is tough. does feel bad. I think sometimes when you you're like, hey, this is my new brew. I'm so stoked to show it off. And then people just like absolutely stomp you. It feels bad. <laughs> I sort of feel like there's honestly two ways introducing a new deck goes, and it's the extremes. Like you either completely yeah. flub or your deck does something so scary that your playgroup never lets that happen again. So heinous. <laughs> Very true. So, yeah, so heinous. <laughs> it must be rejected in all subsequent <laughs> games. Yeah. Yeah. I think we talk about this a lot with Tony. He's not here to defend himself. But uh <laughs> the the two main ones with Tony were his Obeka deck and his Willow Dusk deck. And I remember the Willow Dusk one was so fucking brutal. I think it was turn three. I'm pretty sure the first game yeah. he had a soul ring. So he got Willow Dusk out early. Turn three, he had some kind of like pay as much life as you need to into something life linker. And then basically just one shot at someone on like turn oh. three. Yeah. And then turn four, one shot at someone. And then turn five, one shot at someone. And we were like, this deck fucking sucks. Yeah, that can <laughs> never happen again. Yeah, I recently did it to someone else where uh, I debuted my Nira deck. And on like turn six or seven, I cast a C double targeting an expropriate that I Nira triggered into. Oh, God. <laughs> so <laughs> it's gross, dude. Yeah. <laughs> But even that, like, that's turn seven. That's not so bad, right? Like, I don't know. People should be winning the game around then. It's pretty bad. I did it at an LGS, to be fair, with some friends. But ugh, <laughs> people saw that in public. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even in the sanctity of the spell table. The private discord. <laughs> private of your own home. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that there's, like, generally when you debut a deck, there are two extremes. I feel like this happened with Tony recently, too, with his new Frodo deck. The first time we played it, it was up at my cabin. And he was one-shotting people again. And he busted it out, and we were all so afraid of the one-shot that we didn't let him do anything. And he was like, he kept being like, hey, I'm only like four mana away. And we were like, yeah, that's like one land drop. And then you're fully online and can just take us out. And he was like, it's not going to happen. And we were like, you're right. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not going to let it happen. <laughs> I do love Telemann performance like that card showing up just makes this a sugar break for me. I can't yeah. <laughs> can't hate a story with that involved. I have like probably like 10 copies. Really? I talked about this with with Warp World, but this is one of those cards that like it has a gold set symbol. So I picked yeah. it like so many drafts in a row because nobody wanted this because it's not that good for limited Conflict, five baby. mana get a dork from your your opponent's <laughs> library is just <laughs> right. not worth it, dude. But if this was up against like your old Halden and Paco deck that was on like leveler. Oh, no, actually, never mind. I take it back. That'd be so bad. I take your leveler <laughs> and I put it into play and I'm yeah, like, you're cool. welcome. You either get a you either get a useless Thassa's Oracle or a leveler <laughs> or my whole library's gone. <laughs> yeah, it would be interesting with polymorph decks, but that that is just like way too much of a perfect scenario, much like the yeah. Starset one. It is pretty funny into people that top deck tutor things, though. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. I will say I don't have a ton of sympathy for the Narset player, mostly just because I no. don't have sympathy for Narset players usually. <laughs> In general, yeah. Yeah. I feel like every Narset deck is either doing broken extra turn stuff or they're like, nah, I'm not doing that extra turn stuff. And it's just Planeswalkers. And it's like, oh, my God, man. Oh, yeah. I yeah. wish you just top. did the extra turn stuff. I wish you would have taken an extra turn because yeah. you're about to make this one take forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like back to our first story. Like, yeah. Like, th- that is something with Planeswalker decks. There's no amount of gold fishing and practicing with Planeswalkers that makes those turns smooth. Yeah. Like, the, I, I don't think there's any amount of reps you can get, any amount of practice you can get where you can learn to sequence all your Planeswalker uptick and downtick abilities fast. Because the thing is, you have to, like, manipulate the die. You got to, like, make tokens. I mean, uh, you got to read all that shit while you're going through your turn. <laughs> Hashtag Elish Norn did nothing wrong. <laughs> desparking everyone yeah yeah, yeah. Bolus too. Get, get Bolus also here. did nothing yeah, wrong. get them out of here man we, yeah. we don't need planeswalkers i'm pretty glad that we're getting like one a set i think that i think going back to one a set will make them special again so yeah. I, I think i think when the, when they're like kind of explosive finishers for control decks like that's where i want them to be mm. low, low cost planeswalker is always really problematic it feels like oh hell yeah dude like some of the ones that have been printed lately are are pretty insane like tyvar is fucking nasty yeah, yeah. tyvar is great but tyvar is an example of like they're gonna print one of those a set i feel like that's the yeah. kind of stuff that gets in as the one set that that's how it should be for sure i agree though like no patience for a narset deck it's also like very kind of fitting for the player that is routinely just slightly above the power level to occasionally get blown out like that yeah. feels right, you know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that player just needs to be put down a peg. Now, to be fair, it's not going to make them make weaker decks. No. They're only going to try and power <laughs> up, but it still has to happen occasionally. Yeah, all you can do is—I <laughs> feel bad saying this. All you can do is like kind of shame them out of playing that deck over time. <laughs> and uh, uh, apologies, Tony. Just play Willow Dusk every once in a while, man. Like you can bring it back. <laughs> I think it's been long enough. You can bring it back, but um, I don't know. I'll probably just still do the same thing, man. Like <laughs> that's the thing. When you build a deck to do a specific thing, and that specific thing is be oppressive at the table, like that's the experience that's gonna happen. You know, mm-hmm. don't be surprised when your deck is absolutely wrecking face and then be like, oh wow, I can't believe it did this again. It's like, well, you built it to do that. So I'm actually surprised <laughs> that. That you're surprised. <laughs> so what do you guys think the uh, the overall salt rating is on this one? Goose egg. It's perfect. Delicious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, I agree with what you said, Mike. It's a secret sugar break, dude. Yeah. It's sweet. Even that extra little element of uh, Lotus Cobra Commander here saying that the player even took it well. Like, as soon as yeah. you got that introduced, it's like, oh. You're good. You're good. <laughs> and, and a huge shout out to the Narset player for that, too, because- yes. This is one of those moments where if you get knocked out like this and you take it like a champ and you're like, ah, you got me. That's funny. You hit me with the silver bullet. I'll, you know, I'll get you next game. That as opposed to being like, what? Oh, come on. Like reacting negatively and poorly. (laughs) Like one of those reactions lets the other three players continue to have a really fun time. And one of them makes them be like, oh, should we just all scoop and play Ooh. the next game or like what's going mm. on like it gets really awkward really fast as That's soon as really good point the first player yeah. gets really cranky about it so big a big hats off to the narset player just like maybe dial down your average deck a little bit something commander needs a lot more of is graceful losers because mm-hmm. yeah 
it's so refreshing if you pop off one game and do something really explosive when the people who lost are like, dude, that was really cool. Let's do another one. Like, yeah, that that makes the highs of magic feel amazing. And you don't have to be like, man, was I the asshole? Like, did I make it too strong a deck? You go, no, I, I found this really cool line and I got to do something really cool. And that's when magic feels the best. Yeah. Yeah. Something we talk about a lot is being a courteous opponent. And I think part of being a courteous opponent is celebrating in your opponent's victories, especially when they're really cool and crazy like this. Like just to get blown out by like a random, like less than $1 rare from, yeah, literal from Conflux. Yeah, like just this <laughs> jank card. It's like, oh, that jank card is the perfect uh, silver bullet to destroy my like really powerful deck. Like that's wild, man. Just enjoy that shit when it comes up. Hell yeah. How about one more for us, Sam? One more. You know what, guys? Let's fucking do it, actually. (laughs) I think it's kind of crazy, but let's actually do it. Let's do one more. So this one comes to us from our website. There's a website submission. TheHowlingSaltMine.com or HowlingSaltMine.com. We own both of the domains. We got them all. Uh, And this one comes to us from user Hotbox. What up? Hey. <laughs> that's like hot pot right i'm sure it's just some dish that you can buy I'm yeah sure. <laughs> it's like a dutch oven and by cool. that i mean like a fart under the covers <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> and the story goes hello guys i'm a newer listener and have loved every second of it oh thank you thanks <laughs> so my story might not be too salt induced but it is interesting So I just recently started playing Commander. I've been playing Magic for years, just not Commander. But my first deck was the Food and Fellowship Precon, and I've upgraded it a bit to make it more competitive and consistent. So I go to my first Commander Night Tournament, and it went pretty good, and actually placed very well in my matches, and everyone was really cool with lots of diversity in decks and power levels. Here's where the salt comes in. I'm at the top table last match of the night. My opponents are playing Ur-Dragon, Lord of Nazgul, and salty Cranko mob boss. <laughs> I wonder which deck is the problem. <laughs> Could it be Cranko, perhaps? One of, one of the oldest boogeymen of all time. <laughs> it really is, too. So the Cranko player was basically taken out right away. Oh, basically taken out right away, maybe by turn oh. five. The color me surprised. Right? And was hated out of the match by the other two. And he was very salty, basically from the beginning of the game. He was slamming his cards down and acting crazy until he was dead. And then he throws his stuff in his bag and goes and pouts on the couch that the LGS has in the store and never said a word after. So does this happen often at Commander Nights? And should I expect it more often? (laughs) Thanks for reading. Stay salty. (laughs) Also, like, I appreciate that they caveated this story. This is assault inducing. Like somebody was slamming yeah. cards. <laughs> yeah. This person wrote this like data from Star Trek. Hmm. They seem to be reacting strongly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the salt example we give at the start, I think throwing cards and slamming the table is generally one of the examples we give for like the higher levels of salt. Oh, for sure. I, I to this day have not seen somebody get like physical with like a table or their cards or anything. Mm. I've been very lucky. Same. I, I uh, Maybe I have. I feel like the closest I've seen is like someone like flopping their hand down on the table, you know, or like 
I don't yeah. know, like 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 scooping up a little too quickly or something. Yeah, I've seen that. These stories that are in the context of like, is this something I should expect at my LGS more is always something that's like so sad to me because yeah. someone had like an early experience at an LGS and it got kind of sour and went a little weird. And they're worried about that being a repeated thing that they're going to have to deal with all the time when they go to this store. Yep. And Pat, you mentioned it on the earlier one. No, it's not something you have to deal with. Like you will steadily find these people that you kind of know you have an ability to play with and have a good time with. And you can kind of build up your roster of people at your game store that you know you enjoy playing with. Mm -hmm. And it depends on the store. But I do generally think that it's like kind of the odd one out that is the person that has these issues like this, like you're not always going to experience this. You will just sometimes have strictly positive times. I agree. I I think sometimes LGS play gets a bad rap because we see so many salty stories online. Uh, It really depends on like the internet circles that you're involved in. If you look at Reddit, for example, this is kind of like the whole reason we started the podcast. There are so many stories on Reddit about weird playgroup dynamics, people getting salty and things like that. I mean, heck, we talk about them every fucking week. Uh, <laughs> like we were saying earlier, 150 a year, at least. I think it's a lot like Yelp reviews, where mm. the worst Yelp reviews are the ones that tend to dominate. Those are the ones that you read the most, and those are the mm-hmm. ones that actually get posted. Like, if someone has an amazing experience at a restaurant, maybe they will post a Yelp review, giving it five stars. Maybe they'll do a little write-up. If someone has a bad experience... They're definitely fucking posting that shit. Yeah. If someone has like a very average experience, they're not going to say anything. Like if they go in and they're like, yeah, it was good. It wasn't amazing. I had a great meal. It was like maybe the price I expected it to be like, no one's going to read that. And no one's going to take the time to post that. It's this phenomenon where like the bad stories tend to rise to the top and, you know, thank God they do for our our podcast and our content (laughs) that we make. But also at the same time, I, I think it does develop this, This vibe that like playing at an LGS, you're going to run into these crazy characters. You're going to see these like weird people who are getting super salty or like being angry or just making you feel bad or feel weird at the table. And I do think that that is kind of the exception and not the rule. And generally speaking, all of my experiences at LGSs have been awesome. Like some of my best friends I met playing tabletop miniature games at an LGS back in the day. And I still hang and chat with those guys like all the time or as often as I can uh, being an adult, you know how it is. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's just something that like, yes, this will happen every once in a while. But like Mike said, as you go to your LGS more and more, as you have more and more commander experiences, you're going to find the people in that local meta that you vibe with. And those are the people to gravitate towards when you meet up. Like you mentioned this earlier, Pat, if you find someone at an LGS that you vibe with, like hit them up, get their discord info, make a friend out of that person. You know, we've had Mm -hmm. stories on here before where people were like, man, I'm having a bad experience at my LGS. It's like, you can always take those LGS friends, turn them into real life friends and play at your house or whatever, (laughs) continue to support your LGS. But if it truly is a weird environment there and it feels toxic and it feels bad because it does happen, I don't want to minimize it. It definitely can happen, but there are always options outside of there and you can still always find people that you're going to vibe and connect with to play with. Mm -hmm. And Hey, at least this player got to hang out on a couch. 
Not every LGS has couch. <laughs> Not every LGS has that. Yeah. Yeah. Look for the silver linings here. <laughs> so, what do you guys think was going on with this Cranko player? I think they're just mm. cosplaying Cranko. <laughs> real goblin but um this did sound like it was going to be a somewhat casual pod and did, did it say he was out by like turns like six or seven i think for some people that can be, yeah that's pretty fast yeah that is fast i can understand getting upset but like it's really important to remember when you're with like people you don't know to like keep up appearances like don't make them yeah. uncomfortable by being upset and storming off like that might be how you handle stress or a social interaction but you don't want to poison the lgs pool like if I could talk to this Krenko player, I would say, like, just take a deep breath. You can catch another game. That's the best mm -hmm. part about being at yeah. the LGS. Like, so much of these posts that rise to the top about, like, fights and stuff happening can be resolved if you just play another game. Because I guarantee you that Krenko player, if you play three or four games, it's going to pop off one time. Yeah, I also yeah. think, just in general, Krenko is one of those commanders that people are going to focus down. Yes. And from the story, it sounded like the Krenko player was salty coming into the game. And continued to be salty and left even saltier. So yeah. they probably had an entire evening of getting focused down <laughs> when you're yeah. playing a Cranko deck. That's like usually what happens. Cranko is kind of like Narset in that it is one of those commanders that just has such a huge reputation. And that reputation precedes any deck that you're ever going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Like if you say I'm playing Cranko, people are like, cool, got it. I know exactly what to do. We all need to band together to make sure Cranko never hits your upkeep or has haste and can tap. That's just kind of how you have to play against those decks because they snowball so hard. If I could talk to this player, I would say like you have to make sure that your expectations with the deck you're playing align with how you think the game is going to go. Because if you're like, oh, I'm going to fly into the radar with my Cranko deck every single game and no one's ever going to interact with me. Well, you're going to be in for a pretty bad night of games, oh, yeah. I think. Yeah, the radar picks up Cranko extra well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't matter how badly you build Urza, people are going to be scared of it. There's just yeah. some commanders where people have had so many bad experiences or seen so many bad experiences or just look at the card and can evaluate it and be like, oh my gosh, I can't let this stay on the board. Yeah, like exactly. Those commanders can be hard to play at a casual table. And like, I get it. Sometimes you find one of those commanders that is in that space and you latch onto it and you're like, I really love this commander. I really enjoy deck building with it and you want to play it. But you do have to understand that it has this bigger reputation beyond what you're doing with your interesting brew. And that is going to kind of set the tone for the table. Um, you can try to like mitigate that with rule zero conversation, but that shit is also really dangerous because if you're like, oh, it's not that kind of Cranko deck, and then you drop Cranko and you start making goblins, well, surprise, it is. Like, I, I don't <laughs> think you can even build a Cranko deck that doesn't do the Cranko thing unless you never cast Cranko. Mm. Right. And then why are you playing it? Yeah. He doesn't have <laughs> eminence. It's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Something else. Yeah. I, I think it was Tony said that about Yuriko. He was like, the only way to make a fair Yuriko deck is to not put Yuriko in the command zone. And it's yeah. like, yes, that is true. Play a different deck and make it ninjas. That is 100% true. Cranko is very similar. There are some other playable ninja commanders now. So you have options. True. Yeah. True. There are other playable goblin commanders too. Yeah. Oh, a ton. And there are some that are just as fucking crazy, like <laughs> yeah. Muxus Goblin Grandy or whatever yeah. is insane. <laughs> Ward the Raid Mother is my queen of budget commanders. She's oh, so yeah. fun. Ward is so nasty on a budget, man. Conspire is crazy. I do want to go back to the post a little bit. Besides, mm -hmm. like, 
you know, not removing the player. Are there things you guys can think of that you do? Like when you notice a player who's about to get removed or, or is maybe a little cranky in general, are there things you do to try and engage that player and like pick them back up so that the overall like pod health can, can carry on? Or do you just kind of cut your losses? Well, I mean, you know me, I am a jokester at heart. If people don't know, I make as many, if not more jokes in real life than I do on this podcast. So I really don't let people in my pods get to this point. I'll let my friends Mm -hmm. because it's funny to see Tony get mad. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But like when I'm playing with strangers or if I'm playing with people that I just met, like I keep it so light. I'm joking around as much as possible. I'm trying to like have the vibe be really, really fun. And I just don't really let it get to that point where people get really salty. Right. And if they do, I try to make some jokes about the salt, quite frankly, because I think salt can be a little bit funny when you view it objectively. It can be this thing where it's sort of like, hey, you know, like, I'm sorry, you're salty, but I got to go after you because you got this powerful thing. Like you can justify it a little bit, but honestly, just keep it light, like put a little bit of humor in there. Try to like cheer that person up somehow. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the writing is just on the wall and you're like, this person is going to get knocked out and I can see that they are unhappy with that. But keep it light is is my advice. Well, overall salt ratings? Pretty high for me, but not unexpected. It's it's sort of like I said, like you come to the table of the Cranko deck, expect for all of the spotlights to point on you. And it's funny because this pod has Ur-Dragon and Cranko in it. And frankly, <laughs> frankly, between the two, Krenko, I think, just beats Ur-Dragon out like a little bit for the yeah. one I'm more worried about. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a little bit more explosive. Yeah, I'm at least worried about it sooner. Yeah, exactly. Deck. And and I I know a little bit more about Krenko. Like it's it's more one to one. Like don't let Krenko land where Ur-Dragon can do some tricky shit. Yeah, it's five colors. You can kind of build it however you want. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I mean, it, it's salt that's not unexpected, but it is a lot, and. Maybe this person just had a bad night to our friend Hotbox here. This is not typical. Do not expect it more often. But if it does happen, you know, think on some of the things we had. People can have bad nights. People can have a night where they've just been focused down a lot. Sometimes it's just a reflection on the person who is feeling salty. Yeah. I'm still focused on the other thing that's not a typical experience at this LGS, which is the couch. <laughs> 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 that's sick <laughs> more lgs's should have couches in them that's great i disagree i think that that couch would be so stanky and full of farts <laughs> it would be like nasty dude that'd be the crustiest couch alive like no thanks now if you're sitting on it while you're playing magic does it become a casting couch yeah i don't think you're <laughs> no. oh, bad. oh bad bad no <laughs> 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 oh. oh god <laughs> oh shit <laughs> i think it does i think it does <laughs> i think it does oh man i mean hey some lgs's just have places to chill and it, and it's a vibe it's cool well i can see what's happening what because I just cracked a clue. <laughs> Who? They'll cast some spells, and here's the bottom line. Ah, trios down to two. Oh. The sweet caress of cardboard. There's magic everywhere. 
I don't even have to change that line. Yeah. And with all this spell casting atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> Disasters in the air. <laughs> Can you feel the salt tonight? <laughs> bum, salt. Bum, bum. It is where we are. <laughs> it's enough. <laughs> For this wide-eyed planeswalker that we cast some spells. <laughs> <laughs> this is a special wow. request by Pat. <laughs> I, I had I had an epiphany uh, earlier and messaged Sam, can we do Can You Feel the Love Tonight as the magic song? And he said, <laughs> hell yes. <laughs> so now I'm being serenaded. <laughs> the thing is, I was not expecting Mike to jump in with that, which I fully appreciated. I don't think Mike's ever sung a salty song. No, I never today. have. I'm always the one getting interrupted. My <laughs> other line that I, I'm remembering now is, it's enough for this wide-eyed prospector. Oh, nice. <laughs> this might have been better. Maybe I'll edit yeah, that in. Possibly. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank you for the salty song. Pat, thank you for the salty recommendation. Hey, anytime. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, hey, Sam, <laughs> what time is it? Uh, what do you mean? What time is it? I think it's that time of the week. Uh, what time of the week? The time of the week that comes every week. What time of the week? The time of the week where you say Mike, 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 Mike. Actually, Pat, you want to do that part? Mike, 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 Mike. Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Well, okay. thanks, Sam. I, I just needed to like get that out. I, I appreciate that we organically got into it, but I had to do the lead up. That was very you did. good. You did. Contractually, I'm obligated. I do think that was in your contract. <laughs> the salty card of the week this week is Ulamog, the ceaseless hunger. Ooh. He's hungry, quite he's, frankly. He's kind of a hungry boy. He's a big hungry boy. And maybe after he eats a big meal, he might get a little eepy. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's Eby and he Nebies to Sleeby? <laughs> I do. I do think so. For Ulamog, your board is but girl dinner. <laughs> girl and I later. <laughs> Actually does not happen. Oh either. yeah, this is the wrong All right. one. <laughs> All right. Let me read let me read the card. Uh so Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger is a 10 cost legendary creature, Eldrazi. When you cast this spell. Exile to target permanence. Mm. Indestructible. Whenever Ulamog the Ceaseless Hunger attacks, defending player exiles the top 20 cards of their library. And it is a 10-10. 10-10 ten, ten. Ten, ten for 10, baby. So, Pat, what do you think about this card? With so many people in our age group, I had some of my most formative experiences in Magic around the time Zendikar and Rise of the Eldrazi and those sets came out because they came out while I was in high school. Preach, baby. Eldrazi to me are just some of the coolest things. I, yeah. I am not going to get salty when you cast this. Yep. I, however, understand why a lot of people are salty when these things get cast because these break so many of like the fundamental rules of like old school Magic when these mm -hmm. hit the board that like... I understand why people are scared of these bad boys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, how do you feel? Pat said it very well. This was also one of those cards where like Eldrazi, I think they're cool. I think they're really interesting. The fact that they're colorless makes them kind of a top end finisher in any deck that can just yeah. get there with the mana, mm -hmm. which I think can be a little bit annoying. I'd say there are other saltier Eldrazi, quite frankly, but uh, Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger, 
is extremely powerful, indestructible. The cast trigger, the cast yeah. trigger on the exile is so yeah. fucking busted because yeah. it is pretty much impossible to respond to. I mean, you can do things in response, but you can't stop it's it. It's going to happen. Countering Ulamog, like it's still going to fucking happen. Yeah, the trigger already goes. Granted, it's 10 mana. It should be doing some broken shit. I see why a lot of people get salty with this card because it is just one of those things where an Eldrazi deck has just become this kind of ubiquitous archetype that in every playgroup, someone's going to probably mess around with an Eldrazi deck at some point. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. most people experience that pain with like the power of an Eldrazi deck, especially with that precon that came out, which this was printed in, I think, or it was printed in Commander Masters, I guess. But, but yeah. it's it's going to appear. It's going to hit the table. It's going to make an impact. Yeah. For me, I don't think it makes me too salty. I think when people cheat it into play, that is the thing that makes me really salty. But then they don't get the cast trigger. Yeah, they don't get the cast trigger. But Ulamog is not like the Shuffle Titans, where it's really hard to cheat them into play. You have to be like a little tricksy. Like you can just kind of cheat the student to play. You miss yeah. out on the cast, but you still get that crazy eggs out the top 20. You still yeah. get an indestructible 10-10. I see where the salt comes from. It doesn't make me super salty personally, uh, but I also haven't had a ton of experiences with this card. What do you think, Mike? I mean, I'm in a similar place. I haven't seen it resolve too many times. I definitely have some nostalgia for all of the Eldrazi, so I like it conceptually. I agree, you know, the cast trigger is brutal. As a player that does enjoy playing blue, it's really painful (laughs) to not be able to counter things and to have them like go through kind of no matter what. You have to stifle that shit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it if you run and stifle you have to stifle and counter it like, yes you have thing. to do both I, I think <laughs> the other thing that i see in this that makes sense as to why it hits the the top 100 salty cards here is people hate mill and yes. this is like mill like on crack this is mill and it's exiling those 20 cards so it's you're seeing those cards truly leave the game you're gonna not be able to use your win con that's in there you're missing your fun cards you were excited to play like whatever is getting exiled with that attack trigger and it is just an attack trigger not a damage trigger those cards are gone so this has two levels of this kind of oh i can't interact with that effect very easily before i'm i'm hit by it Uh, and i think that really pisses people off and unlike some of the eldrazi also uh, especially some of the more recently printed Eldrazi Titans. I guess I'm really just thinking about like Kozilek. It it's just 10 generic mana. It doesn't even have like a colorless mana component yeah. of its casting yeah. cost. So it really is easy to mix into any deck that can do big mana stuff. I, I think one of the things that you're touching on, Mike, uh with the exile effect, one of the things that is so tilting with Eldrazi Titans is the way that an Eldrazi, whether it is this Ulamog effect or just like a classic Annihilator effect where it's forcing you to sack permanence. It is the way that an Eldrazi says, fuck you in particular, you know? Yeah. Every Eldrazi basically has a point where it's going to attack and you have to make the decision of like, which one player am I going to absolutely fuck right now? And then that one player is just like, God damn, like you just went in on me. And especially with an effect like this, it kind of rewards continuing to attack the same. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely so, does. Like if you get picked, that hungry boy is coming in. Yeah. It's going to keep mowing. Keep yeah. chomping. <laughs> no. My favorite thing to do against cards like this is to not look at the top 20 cards, is to just take them off and be like, all right, they're exiled. I don't even yeah, want to look at Yeah, exile effectively face down. Yeah. yeah I don't even want to look at those. 
<laughs> All right. So now phase two, what do you guys think the number is on where this is in the top hundred cards? Hmm. That is tough. Cause um, yeah. there has been voting going on recently. There has been. So for context, we're still on the 2022 order. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're pre-rotation. I can go first, Pat, if you'd like. I, I'm happy to fall on that sword. Sure. Fall on it. I think this is number 64. Okay. I'm going to go with 46. So it is 75. So Sam takes oh, it. Oh, Sam hey. takes it. Nice. And I almost said 72, but I was like, I think that yeah, feels well, too Well, you low. didn't, so... Hmm. Yeah, they've printed so many more salty cards that these started to <laughs> fall down the list. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I'm sure we will find out at some point, but I wonder how many Titans live above Willamog the Ceaseless Hunger on the list. Can you that give that question. to us, Mike, without revealing too much information? I think I can, because I don't think we I think we've actually hit a good majority of them at this point. Really? There is I have no memory of the shit we do on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I go into a, a fugue state when we start the podcast. It Honestly, all goes away yes. fast. Okay, there is one. There's one that we haven't covered. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about that one. But then there's also Void Winnower. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go, that's higher. That's which isn't higher. technically a Titan, but is a big fat Eldrazi. And yeah, that one fucking sucks. The other Ulamog where it was also higher than this one in the Interesting. Okay. People hate Annihilator, yeah. Yeah, people yeah. don't like Annihilator. Annihilator sucks, man. It's just such a feel bad. It's the same thing where it's like, I'm going to pick one player and that player is just going to eat it. They're done. Yeah. They're done. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that wraps it up for the salty card of the week. Thanks for playing. Thanks, Mike. That was a lovely salty card. And thanks, Pat, for joining us today. Thanks for thanks, filling Pat. in Tony's seat. It always feels so good when you guys have me. I love coming on. So anytime. Dude, I love it, man. You, you just have such a, a vibrant vibe that you bring to the show that <laughs> I, I really dig. I dig it a lot. I feel like we have Thank a ton you. of fun when you are on. Frankly, I don't think Tony's coming back. I don't yeah. think he's coming back, actually. <laughs> Busy mooning honey. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. a married man now, you know? This is where we find out that, like, Pat has has nixed all flights from Europe to the U.S. <laughs> for the next, like, three Tony's months. Trapped. Tony is just truly trapped over there. Tony's trapped in Europe. Nick is trapped in Hawaii. Pat is like, <laughs> fucking got it. Finally, right where I want them. <laughs> And thank you to all of the prospectors out there for tuning into another episode of the Howling Salt Mine. If you want more Howling Salt Mine content, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Howling Salt Mine. Patreon just had some updates. Don't be afraid. It still works the exact same way. Just looks a little bit different. We have our Stray Grain series on there. Every week, we're giving you one or two little tangents that we cut from the show. I know we have a couple that are coming from this one. Uh, definitely. I had a little tangent about an LGS that does not make it into the main, <laughs> the main show. <laughs> and then we also have our monthly extra salt series where we kind of take a break from our typical format and jump into a bunch of different stuff. We're doing deck techs. We are talking about our favorite cards in the different pieces of the color pie in magic. We have a special deck tech that just came out that uh, the prospectors know about that I won't mention here, but it is very funny and you should check it out. Um, we've got a bunch of that shit up there. I think I think right now we have like, God, I don't have the tally in front of me. I think it's like over 12 or 15 hours of extra salt content. And I think we're getting pretty up there with stray grains as well. I think we're 
nearing like the four or five hour mark. Something else you should mention is people post their deck lists on your Discord and you get a lot of great feedback. And there's just now a huge compilation of all the decks a bunch of prospectors play in there. Oh, yeah. I think last time we checked, there was like, do you remember what it was, Sam? It was like over 100. That's awesome. I think it was over 200. And that was like months ago. So wow, <laughs> we're probably nearing 300 at this point. I mean, it's a great community, like Pat said. Uh, Pat's in there. If you want to chat with him, you can make fun jokes about Tony with Pat. People love to do that. Support the rivalry. <laughs> hashtag respect the feud. And <laughs> <laughs> we also have our monthly Patreon game nights uh, where we are jamming with prospectors the last Thursday of every month, just getting games in from like 8 p.m. Eastern all the way to midnight or beyond. Another way you can support the show is check out our merchandise that we have. We have shirts on Bonfire. We have sleeves that we're selling. We have custom Dragon Shield sleeves with our logo on them, our uh, beautiful podcast art that we are selling on our website, thehowlingsaltmine.com or howlingsaltmine.com. We're inconsistent with the use of the, so our website should be the same <laughs> way. If you have a salty story that you want featured on a future episode, email it to us. Send it to us at our Gmail, which is thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com, or you can submit it through that wonderful website that I just talked about, or whatever, man. DM it to us on Reddit, send it to us in a Patreon message, shoot it to us in Discord, whatever. If you are a Patreon member, there's even a special little area to put your posts if you're in our higher tier. If you're a Salt Council member, you can load it up there and other people can talk about your salty story after you post it. And you can kind of just get more involved in that community. We're all about the community building. It's a really good time. Another thing you can do is give us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app of choice. That really does help us stick out in the algorithm a little bit more. I'm happy to say that we actually have a shit ton of five-star reviews on Spotify. And it's like rivaling some of the bigger podcasts out there, which feels really good. So I super, super appreciate people doing that. And like we mentioned in our Commander Sealed episode, we're bumping into people at cons that have discovered us through the Spotify algorithm. So this shit does work. It really does help spread the word of the Howling Salt Mine and get new listeners in. Lastly, we got to shout him out, our amazing podcast artist, J.D. Burnett. If you are ever in Asheville, North Carolina, hit him up and get a tattoo. He's an awesome dude. 10,000 subscribers are bust. Wow. Thanks, Tony. What a guy. <laughs> Flew back just for that bit. Yeah, he was flying overhead right there. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody. And stay salty. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling that good good that's a that different good, good that's a different thing you're doing yeah good good, good. oh my oh heavens illegal <laughs> actually not really anymore but um but all those Got records it. should be expunged hell yeah throwing that out there mm, nice i'm currently on the episodes and mm, i'm currently on the episodes and after about oh i'm current sorry guys I had a really horrible poop before this podcast and I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm delirious. Yeah. <laughs> so many endorph the endorphins are firing. <laughs>
too much fiber in my salad. Um, <laughs> Mike's the Ringo. Oh, uh, Mike is the Ringo. Maybe Pat replaces Mike. Oh shit! Wait, <laughs> I mean, I love everything, and your Alesha deck is really good. And um... and let me just save that sound bite. All right. <laughs> I can see what's happening. <laughs> Oh, hold on. I, I yeah. have to find my lyrics. <laughs> um, is it like a specific lyrics? You do have to look up the Lion King ones. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I have let me let me turn change my audio. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. You go, Mike. <laughs> little little anagrams of each other. <laughs> I don't know. Little mm-hmm. flippy, little flippy Flip it, switchy. Little flippy I think boys? is the technical term. Yeah, I think yeah, the I think the correct term is flippy switchies um yeah. a little swippy swappy 